Good evening. This is the Tomorrow Christian Today, reading Leviticus 17 in the NLT. But first and always, we pray. Dear Lord, give us wisdom as we read your word. You are the true God, the only God who gives unconditional love. Everything else in this world with sin, Lord, is just a transaction. It's just a business transaction, what we can get out of something or someone. But with you, Lord, you're not in, in a relationship of what you can take or what you can get. You always go in, Lord, with what you can give. You gave us your son and you gave us him so that we could have eternal life with you. Thank you so much for being an unselfish, completely unconditional loving God. Everything with us is selfishness, sin, a business transaction. Everything is a string attached. That's what sin is and that's what lovelessness is. Thank you for rescuing us from the devil. Help us as we read your word. Help us to really think by giving us the Holy Spirit so that we will be people not of the carnal, not of the natural man where spiritual things are foolish, but we will have the cap of the Holy Spirit inside of our minds over our thinking processes and we will be able to go higher than just the concrete world. I pray in the name of Christ. Amen. I was listening to a man, uh, I think his name is Psychac. Well, on YouTube, it's Psychac. It's obviously not a Christian. He's a psychologist talking about relationships. And, you know, it just struck me as he was talking about marriage. It really is. I mean, everything in this world is a business transaction, right? You, you go into something, okay, what am I prepared to give? What do I want to get back? Every human transaction, even marriage, where we talk about love and unconditional love, um, really for human beings, unconditional love, self-sacrificial love, it's really a transaction. What can I get out of something? What am I prepared to give? What do I want back? And usually you want back more than you give, right? And that's why the marriages sort of come to an end. Um, most of the women, the stats, and, and again, this is just stats, and maybe women would disagree with this. Most of the women are calling for the end of their marriage. What, 70%, 80%, 90%? I don't know. Uh, that's just what, what's being reported to me on YouTube. And of course, those people on YouTube, some of them, are, they're not Christians. But I did hear that the reason that God gave us the principles that he gave us in Scripture was because he knows how to do relationships right. And when we don't do it right, there are consequences. And the people who don't believe in God, don't believe in the scriptures, even they see the same consequences. They may pin it on happening for a different reason, but they're the same consequences, they can see those consequences. And it makes them think, and it makes me think. When people who have no truck or trade with God begin to come to the same conclusions that Christians who do believe in God are coming to, that makes you sit up and take notice. Let's read Leviticus 17. And all these things are my opinion. I don't tell you what to think. I ask you to think about what I just said. Because I have to learn too. I want to learn. I don't want to be somebody who just accepts what somebody else says. I want to think for myself. Then the Lord said to Moses, because I'm a Sigma male. I'm pretty sure that I'm a Sigma. Alpha, Beta, Gamma, Delta, Omega, men, I don't know. If that's true, but it does sound kind of reasonable, but I'm a sigma. I, I'm always like a lone wolf and I have to think about what I believe. 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to Aaron and his sons and all the people of Israel. This is what the Lord has commanded. If any native Israelite sacrifices a bull or a lamb or a goat anywhere, inside or outside the camp, instead of bringing it to the entrance of the tabernacle to present it as an offering to the Lord, that person will be as guilty as a murderer. So they're sacrifice they're making a sacrifice outside the camp like jesus died outside the camp he was counted as a sinner and in the old testament god rested on the seven well jesus was resting on the seven too he was dead so sin in the presence of god does quote rest unquote it dies there's no more movement there's no more life jesus was guilty because he was all of those things he was counted as a murderer. He was counted as a sodomite. He was counted as, as um, a liar. He was counted in all the sins that we do. He was counted in the consequences of all of those. And he was treated as a murderer. And he was killed outside the camp. Isn't that a very interesting coincidence? Such a person has shed blood and will be cut off from the community. Jesus was cut off from life from the fellowship of God. And didn't it begin to happen to him? It said three days he'd be in the darkness of the earth. People say, well, he was dead for three days. I think that God's spirit was beginning to, to, to walk away from him. It was beginning to be withdrawn. And I think that's what's happening on planet earth en masse. And I say that from Revelation 7. In fact, I'll read it to you. I was going to just like, but I'm, I want to read it because I always looked at Revelation 7. And of course, this is my hermeneutic, right? This is my interpretive um, ideas about what the gospel says. You can read the exact same words and you cannot see the same interpretation as me, and that's fine. Remember, uh, this is not about me telling you what to think. This is about me telling you what I think, and you can consider it for your own purposes because you've got to work it out for yourself. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. I'm just having a little fun here, but this is God's word, so it's not totally 100% fun. This is not foolishness. We are not wasting our time by reading God's word. It will definitely change us. It will either harden us, we don't want to hear it, or it will soften us because we know we want more. And these are the words of life, as Peter said. Where are we going to go, Lord? You have the words of life. There's no place else to go. This world has nothing for you but deadness and dusty trophies. And at the top, it's all empty. There's nothing there. That's why all these rich people take drugs. Because they get to the top and they realize there's nothing there and their money can't buy self-satisfaction in the heart. They're empty, empty, empty. It says here in Revelation 7, And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the hill, till, trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. Do you understand that? Do you understand that... Um, that, that God is sealing his people now? That these are end times? Does that make any sense to, any, to anybody? It says here in Ephesians 4 verses 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the Spirit that day of redemption, your mind, your soul, how you think. You know, they say it's your heart, right? Your heart is supposed to be the seed of your emotions, who you are. You have been sealed. You have been sealed by God. That's what it means to be a Christian. This is not about some kind of beliefs or hermeneutics or guesses. This is not theory work. You've been sealed. 
it says here, um, I'm also trying to find it. There's also another verse, I think in Ephesians. Let me see if I can find find it. I think that it was in if, if, if it was Ephesians 1. We have heard the spirit of truth purchased. Seated. Used to I used to know this. I used to know about being sealed. I cannot find it. And I know there's another verse too about the Holy Spirit. And I know that's in Second Corinthians. So I'm going to go there. Second Corinthians five five. It says here. Now he who has prepared us for this very thing is God who has also given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So when that Holy Spirit is being withdrawn from people, that guarantee is disappearing. You want the Holy Spirit to be sealed inside of you because this whole world is coming apart mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. It's no time for games. This is end, end times. I'm not here to alarm you, I'm here to alarm you. Because people who get alarmed, either they bury their head in the sand, or they say, you know what, I need to hear this. I need to wake it up. I need to step it up a little bit. It's time to step it up. I can always be wrong, and hey, you could be just prematurely ready. But you know what, Noah was telling the people, come into the ark. John the Baptist was saying, now, Get baptized today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Tomorrow may not come. Today is the day of redemption. It says here, Then the priest will be able to splatter the blood against the Lord's altar at the entrance of the tabernacle, and he will burn the fat as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. The people must no longer be unfaithful to the Lord by offering sacrifices to the goat idols. This is a permanent law for them to be observed from generation to generation. So the thing is that, okay, we're talking about sacrifices here, but now we're talking to the new covenant people. That's us. And this is permanent, okay? God wants us all, okay, decide who you're going to serve. Can't have one foot in the goat idols, one foot in the world, and then one foot uh, with God. As my grandmother used to say, I got one foot in the grave and one foot on a banana peel. <laughs> well, you know what? It's either both feet in, and if it's not both feet in, then it's both feet out. God don't let any people be fence sitters. That's what I've always heard. And, and, and now I'm beginning to see that. God doesn't want no fence sitters. It's both, it's both feet in, both feet out. And I found the verse in Ephesians 1. Um, sometimes when I'm looking for something, I can't find it. But when my mind relaxes, and I'm not a super relaxed guy, but I need to be. Ephesians 1, verses 13. In him you also trusted... After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. God is sealing your mind. You're being transformed. You're being sanctified. You're being consecrated. That's the first step. You get everything else after when Jesus comes back. You get the new universe. You get the new body. You get the new existence. You get the uncorruptible body. You get uh, stewardship of other worlds. 
you get to rule and reign with God and his Christ. It's a really good deal. And you got to but you got to trust. Adam and Eve didn't trust at the tree. This is the do over time. It's time to trust. We may not be able to see that which we have to trust in. We may not be able to prove it with our five senses. God says, trust me. I'm not lying to you. The devil says, did God really say that? God's always lying. Whatever God says to keep apart, devil puts together. Whatever God says to put together, devil says keep it apart. Whatever God says, God says up, devil says down. God says left, devil says right. God says no, devil says yes. God says yes, devil says no. But you know what's going to happen to the devil in Revelation 20, eh? Guess what? He knows too. He knows he has a short time. He has to stomp around like a two-dimensional lion, acting all big and tough, but he knows he's the lo on the losing side. When Jesus Christ died on that cross and rose again, devil knew he lost. And the whole world doesn't know that the devil knows that he lost, but he lost. If you're on the devil's side, you're on the losing side. Time to come over to Jesus now. That's the spirit side, okay? That's, that's the right side. You want to win? I want to win, folks. All the suffering and all the trials and all the character building. What are you building your character for? So you can have a nice little bed in the coffin? I don't think so. Homie, don't play that. Verse 8. Give them this command as well. Boy, I didn't know I was so talkative, eh? Hey, if you don't like my opinions, fine. Edit it out. But at least read God's word. I'll always promote Jesus. I don't need to promote myself. The only words you got to listen to is the words that the Holy Spirit tells you in your heart as you read God's word. Give them this command as well. If any native Israelite or foreigner living among you offers a burnt offering or a sacrifice but does not bring it to the entrance of the tabernacle to offer it to the Lord, that person will be cut off from the community. You are an Israelite. It's an inward circumcision of the heart. Everything you do, you do to please God. You do it, you bring it to God. Bring your joy, bring your joys, bring your troubles, bring your problems. I'm bringing my problems. You know, I want to have a really tight relationship with God. Just a lot of isolation and, you know, my dad's gone back and I realized, you know what, a lot of the stuff that I thought was so amazing in life, you know, it didn't turn out to be that great. It didn't turn out to be all that was amazing, all those things I was going to do and, you know, never happened. It's all empty stuff anyways. It's all empty. The only thing that's permanent is to be with Christ. Because when you're with Christ, you'll be with God. And, and at his right side, there's joy forevermore. Forevermore is a long, long time. It's a long, 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 long time. The joy never ends. A good beginning never ends. But that's kind of a kinder music thing. And that's another story. And if any native Israelite or foreigner living among you eats or drinks blood in any form, I will turn against that person and cut him off from the community of her people. So I guess that was like, that's why they ate, had meat with kosher. They didn't want to uh, have the blood in the meat. And, and I, I have heard that when you have the blood in the meat, I mean, I can't afford, afford kosher, but some of, those, some of those adrenaline compounds when the animal knows it's being killed, you're kind of eating that, right? So, um... But maybe it has, this has kind of a spiritual application as well, right? Jesus' blood died to cleanse us. The life is in the blood. So blood is very sacred. And I don't think God, and I mean, even in Acts 15, it says, you know, don't drink blood. Don't do that. Some people do that. Just they actually do that. 
I don't know what they're trying to do. They're trying to, like, what? Are they, you know, like some ritual or some uh, vampire thing? You're drinking blood? Like, that's just not healthy. It's just not right. The life of the body is in its blood. Jesus, Jesus is lifeblood. He's given us a heart transfusion and a blood transfusion. We don't have earthly blood anymore. We have spiritual lifeblood from Christ. We were once dead, but now we are, we've been made alive. He's quickened our souls. He's made us alive again. We were dead in our trespasses, and now we are alive to God through Christ. I love it. Absolutely love it. Where are you going to hear words like this? Are you going to hear it in the news? Are you going to hear it from the world leaders? Are you going to hear it from people? You look to people to, to help you and support you, and you know you want to help them, but they just can't meet your expectations human will never meet human expectations all these people just you know they were madly in love and now they're screaming at each other it's so sad to see so sad to see everybody wants everything everybody who has these high expectations you can't deliver these expectations demanded from you and the people that are demanding all these they can't do it either they can't do it either it's just take it's a take 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 world it's not a give back world how, how are you going to have a marriage relationship anything with a give take 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 there's no love there of course business transaction is not really love it's you know what can i get out of this what am i prepared to give back and you have to sign a contract a covenant law and if you don't do it it's penalties if you don't honor your part of the contract it's law there's penalties you'll be penalized that's not love that's what we all do. But we, we are in some ways very loveless. We're still very much creatures. God is growing us up, right? I have given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. It is the blood given in exchange for our life that makes purification possible. That is why I have said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood, neither you nor the foreigners living among you. And if any native Israelite or foreigner lives among you, goes hunting and kills an animal or bird that is approved for eating, he must drain its blood and cover it with earth. The life of every creature is in its blood. That is why I have said to the people of Israel, you must never eat or drink blood for the life of any creature is in its blood. So whoever consumes blood will be cut off from the community. And if any native born Israelites or foreigners eat the meat of an animal that died naturally, was torn up by wild animals, they must wash their clothes and bathe themselves in water. So this was in the Old Covenant. They will remain ceremonially unclean until evening, but then they will be clean. But if they do not wash their clothes and bathe themselves, they will be punished for all their sin. So it seems that even though people went with Israel um, during the Exodus, God counted them as Israelites. You know, we're, we're, we're spiritual Israelites. You know, now Jesus, even though he's Jewish, he's the Messiah of both Jews and Gentiles. He's made us one. He's made us all one together in a brand new family. Isn't that wonderful? I remember talking to this Jewish lady at my work. She was very nice to me. I think she liked me. You know, I, I kept the Sabbath. She said, you didn't have to. And she was right. But at the time I did, and I, I thought I was doing the right thing. And she does keep the Sabbath. She doesn't believe in, in well, she keeps the Sabbath, which she believes is Saturday. And she doesn't really believe in Jesus. But we had some nice talk. She was kind to me. And she was telling me that something in this Leviticus 17 is like the Noahide laws. I don't know if anybody's ever heard of these laws. They were supposed to be spiritual laws for the Gentiles. So let me see if I can look this up on Google. 
while talking. I'm going to look this up, the Noahide. It says, The descendants of Noah were commanded with seven precepts to establish laws and the prohibitions of blasphemy, prohibitions of blasphemy, of idolatry, of adultery, of bloodshed, of theft, and of eating the blood of a living animal. And these are the Noahide laws. So the descendants of Noah, well, I guess, in a way, the descendants of Noah were not Jewish or Gentile, right? It was because, you know, through Abraham, that's the Jewish race. But really, it was, you know, when Noah came out of the ark, he was just a human being, right? So these, all these were like laws, you know, given to Noah. But I don't know where they got this Noahide laws, but it says here, the seven laws, the seven laws given to Noah. Maybe this is coming from something else, like the Mishnah or Talmud or something. I don't know. But the seven laws, I'm just looking this up on Google. Like, obviously, these concepts are in the Bible. This is somebody's interpretation or ideas. It doesn't say Noah had Noahide anywhere in the Bible. It doesn't say this. So somebody is, is looking at Scripture or looking at commentaries of Scripture and coming up with these concepts. And it, it is interesting just to, to see the alignment that it has with God's Word. Not to, so the seven laws are not to worship idols, not to curse God, not to commit murder not to commit adultery or sexual immorality, not to steal, not to eat flesh torn from a living animal, and to establish the courts of justice. And I would think that, uh, you know, Noah was definitely sacrificing animals, so was Abel, you know, that was, that kind of came very early on, but these other, the, the whole old covenant didn't show up until Moses. Right when Noah came out, there was no such thing as the the the, the old covenant. But it would be interesting that, that Noah would be aware of these things. He had respect for God. There was respect for God in his heart. Did he love God? I think he did. I mean, the new covenant is the oldest covenant of all. You know, the new covenant is really grace, and that's in Noah. It says, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The new covenant was there all the time, but Jesus is the one who ratified it with his blood. It's, it's very interesting as you go through the Bible to see that God has always been with us. From the moment that that happened in, in the Garden of Eden, God has been establishing to save us. He talked about the pro-eschaton. Somebody is coming um, who is going to have his heel bruised by the serpent, but he's going to crush the head of the serpent. And that's our King, our friend, our Savior. Our, you know, He's not ashamed to call us brother, and that's Christ our Lord, Jesus bar Joseph who is at the right hand of the Father forevermore of the in infinite order of Melchizedek. I believe that, and I believe Jesus is coming back very soon. He's at the door. And if he is at the door, then the Antichrist is in the house. Somewhere on this planet, somebody's walking around, and he's going to start doing something with religion or political or the financial markets because everything is so expensive these days. Everything is in such atonement, and everything is so expensive everywhere. My friends, it's coming. It's time to get ready. It's time to start studying. Don't wait for some rapture. It could happen. That's just an interpretation. The rapture that everybody thinks about is some private rapture where, where you're snatched away privately and the world at large doesn't know. What if rapture means to be snatched away publicly? And what if that rapture is the same one as the second coming of Christ? You know, the, the interpretation of the rapture being private, that's John Darby's deal. And that's something before the second coming. The second coming is something very public. Everybody knows that. What if the rapture is, it, the, what if the, 
What if the rapture doesn't happen privately? It's just another way of saying the second coming of Christ. Then it's all going to happen and people are waiting for this private, invisible rapture. And again, it's my interpretation that the rapture is not the right uh, um, narrative, but that's just my interpretation. That's just my opinion. You don't have to agree with me. But, you know, I'm in IT. You never put all your eggs in one basket. You have plan A, you got a plan B, you have a contingency plan, and you have a backout plan. And when I hear people just believing so forwardly somebody else's interpretation and not even considering that there might be other paths, I just wonder, like, why, Lord? Am I, am I a heretic? I'm not a heretic, okay? I'm in IT. I'm not a complete income poop. I do have a brain. I'm not just good-looking. I want to promote Jesus, not my own hermeneutics. But my life and experiences have, have taken me along certain paths. And those paths scream at me that believing in one hermeneutic as if it's the absolute ultimate truth, that to me is not reality. Um, the guy Bible Project, I forgot his name. Um, Doctor, I forgot his name, right? He has glasses, very nice man. He was talking about the starry sky. And he was saying, okay, there was a picture with the Hubble telescope in one of his, he has a classroom, Bible Project classroom. So one of his examples, you have the picture from the Hubble telescope of the sky. Then you have Van Gogh's painting of the starry sky. And he says, are either of these two the starry sky? Everybody says, no, it's interpretations. It's, it's a picture and it's Van Gogh's interpretation. So the thing is that they are interpretations of the starry sky, but they're not the starry sky. The starry sky is when you go outside and you look up in the heavens and you see it. And even then, your eyes registering what your senses can register. You're not seeing the full picture because your senses are limited. So all these doctrines and interpretations are our narrative, our interpretation of what's in Scripture. The interpretation of what's in Scripture is not actually the full truth. Only God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit know the full truth. And I think that we need to consider multiple baskets, multiple options. And if there is no private rapture before the second coming, and it's just one event that happens at the end of the world, then if Jesus is coming in that event, that means the Antichrist is already here. God bless you all.